I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it. Hey, I'm Michael Patton. I'm really excited about this because I am going to be able to shut down everything that Samson says. And I should be able to do that because I'm the president of Credo House Ministries and I've got this THM from DTS. Now listen to what he has to say. Hey, I'm Samson Kovach. I'm from the Theology Pit and I'm really excited that Michael's going to shut down everything that I have to say. Uh, that's, that makes me excited. I have a MAR from uh, TSM. <laughs> I'll just, I'll say it like that. This is Divergent Theology, where we take topics, Michael and I both have bit different backgrounds theologically, and we sort of clash them together, and we, we see what happens when the world of theology actually doesn't agree with itself. This is where, and I know we, we've never really talked about the noetic effect of the fall. We've, we've never discussed it, and I know that, you know, you don't hold to it, but um, uh, that the effect of the fall affects people differently in different ways. There are different... Um, effects of sin. And because there are these different effects of sin, that the way in which people, you know, may come to this understanding is different. You have some people that have that Damascus Road experience and boom, everything's yeah. opened up to them. And then you have some that, you know, maybe came about it slower. And then at some point, you know, they just realized, oh, wow, this is actually really true. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll plug a, a theology program thing for you here real quick. Whenever I started teaching that, at my church, there was a lady who was kind of hesitant about signing up because she didn't think she was smart enough for it or anything like that. Mm. I talked her into it and she went through all the classes, all, all, all six of the courses with me. And she told me at the end, she was so happy that she did it because before she took those classes, she didn't even know or realize that Jesus was the son of God. Mm. And so what do you say about that movement? You know, well, she doesn't, she couldn't articulate the faith. Was she really a believer? You know, did she, where was that aspect at? But it was through that, that program and through that understanding that she came to this realization, you know, okay. that this had happened. Okay. So, so that's, so that's what I'm, um, you know, I, I'm kind of getting at with. I, I think I'm hanging with you. I don't think, uh, I think I'm hanging with you to such a degree that, you know, I'm, uh, this is, this is. I mean, in my mind, like I said last time, this is kind of the way a lot of Calvinists go that I know. You know, me and Dan Wallace and Ed mm -hmm. Tomaszewski, we're all kind of here right now. Yeah. And the idea is that that there. I mean, you you, I, you probably not want to describe it this way, but maybe you do, uh, because I know you're not a Calvinist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, whenever we describe it, we talk about you know this new birth. And the new birth yeah. is the thing that, you know, brings about everything. And then you naturally walk into a new life. And, and uh, you know, these things 
are often described as the first fruits of of our uh, justification, but they're really the first fruits of our sanctification, yeah. and therefore they're the identity that we go by. So we're those who tr- believe in Christ, trust in Christ. Why? Because that is the way that God, you know, after you're newborn, he goes, hi, I'm, I'm Jesus, you know, and that's how he introduces himself to most of us. Yeah, so I would say, uh, and 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 I would I would agree with you on that that this that the the first fruits that we do and and you know I think Calvinists would ag- agree with me on that is the sanctification. It is the you have just like a child, you've been born, therefore you are crying out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, but that being born and that crying out, you know, that crying out is not so you can be justified. There you it's go. because yeah. you have been. Okay. Yeah. So this canonic function is the the third and the evidential aspect of the doctrine of justification, which is the pinnacle of the corroboration of being, of justifying. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's everything's come together. So all three of these then come together and it's the recognition of one having been justified is the evidence that one has been made righteous and not the reasoning behind the necessity of, of one thinking that they need to be justified. Say that one more time. Okay. It's, it's the recognition of one having been justified is the evidence that one has been made righteous and not the reasoning behind the necessity of one thinking that they need to be made righteous. Okay. So, so in the, in other words, another way to put it very practical, I think at least is, is you don't, um, you, you're not saying that you have to have some type of realization of your salvation and, and confidence in it in order to be saved. But you're saying naturally people will have this. Yes. But some people, you know, they, they talk, I talk to people all the time and they're like, I just, I've lost all my confidence. I don't think I'm saved and, and that kind of stuff. So that, that's not displaying well. No, but that's that the third step is, but, but that's, but this is the, the third leg of it. So yeah. if you could say, well, that's all right. Look at the, the, the first two legs. Yeah. That's that's outside of you. Like the, you are justified by faith. Here are the, the other two faiths. Just because yeah. your leg yeah. is a little bit weak, it's not not there. But what I'm saying is that the, the difference here is that, you know, you're you don't come to this realization that you need a savior so that you can do something to be saved. Once you've come yeah. to that realization, it's because you have been. And this, so this is very this is very anti prevenient grace. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no grace being prevenient grace being. Well, it's a it's classical doctrine. I mean, Mm -hmm. even Augustine talked about prevenient grace some, but primarily it's used by by uh, Arminians Mm -hmm. who uh, need uh, need to keep the doctrine of the um, uh, the total depravity or people being born dead uh, alive, and at the same time have to have some type of choice. And so in between, they say, how do you make a choice whenever you're dead? They say, well, God makes you alive through mm-hmm. provenient grace and gives you the opportunity to then choose. That is not what you're saying. No, no, Definitely. not at all. No, no. Yeah. Because, because right now, this is not based on your choice. This yeah. is based on the, the movement of God and especially through his church. Yeah. And he has put this in place. This is why this is organic and it's, it's, it's moving like that. So in other words, like individual belief is evidence of the completion of justification, which begins the sanctification process. Okay. So when one believes sanctification begins. Okay. So the, the faith of sanctification is for the benefit of justifying the ungodly. Yeah. Cause once you're, you're justified, 
you're positionally righteous with God, you are sinless, and you're no longer ungodly. So if God's declaring the ungodly just, well, you're godly. You're not to be declared just because you already are. Yeah. Okay. So what this does, when you look at this trilateral position, here are the benefits of it. It's 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 the view of, of justification by faith that allows for faith to be utilized actively by believers in the doctrine while remaining passive for those who are to be justified. Okay. Okay. So faith say, be say, say, say that again. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um it's it's faith, it's justification by faith allows for faith to be utilized actively by believers in the doctrine while remaining passive for those who are to be justified. Okay. So the ones who are to be justified, they're not, it's not their faith. It is the faith of another that is coming okay. in. Okay. I got okay? you. I got you. All right. So back it's to, so, back to last lesson. Yeah. So it's completely passive on, on the one who is to be justified, completely yeah. passive on their, 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 their self. So faith is, is an instrument to be used for apprehending justification for another while never being mistaken as meriting grace for oneself. Okay. Okay. Would you, would you, would you say it's synonymous then with the new birth? Well, you have to understand that there's, there, there's two people involved here or two entities involved. So, so to speak, there's the one who is to be justified and the one who is justifying. Yeah. Okay. So the one who is justifying is doing all of the work. Yeah. And the one who is justified, when they are justified, they realize it. And which is which is which is when we talk about the new birth, mm -hmm. that is uh, something that happens, and then you realize it afterwards. Again, only on the Calvinistic perspective. Yeah. But but uh, there but, but necessarily where, there doesn't or have, you have to have something be... different happening with the new birth. You say no, no, no. This isn't the new birth. Faith. The, the faith that I'm talking about is not the new birth. Yeah, the new birth is this, and then you know you have the faith, or is it just a different way to put well, it? Well, I would say that that uh, an understanding of the new birth is, it let's just say in a, in, in a neutral world where everybody is on the same plane. Okay, there's no um, uh, uh, mental defects, there's no age gap, there's no nothing like that. Everybody can just think exactly the same way, no matter age or anything. Yeah. Then yeah. yes, that is the ideal you know, practical understanding. But the reality in the fallen world that we live in is not everybody's on that level. But um, those who do have the ability to understand, have that experience, have that born again, have that, that movement, not because of anything that they've done, but because of what God has done through Christ yeah, and Christ yeah. through his body, through the church that has brought them to that place. So it's kind of a gift. God gives you the gift. Yeah. yeah. And then, then it, it brings about the new birth. The gift is the new birth in a sense, but it's everything else that follows it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so then you have um, the, the faith that brings about this new birth. And then um, you have the people who are being, or who are justified. Uh, uh, just we'll go on to the next point, and then I'll see okay. if I can articulate. Okay. So, so, um, uh, the, the way I, I actually, actually, I forgot what I was saying. Okay. Well, the way I kind of bring this together for, for this, this apprehension is, um, I, I, I took a look at Hebrews 11. Okay. The hall of faith. And I kind of looked at that and I said, you know, what, what kind of faith is that? What kind of accounts are that? Like that's, that's moving through a single narrative. When you read through like a single narrative, it's basically that God uses his people that he has called for redemption in spite of their prior or inherent behavior. 
Okay. No matter how they behaved in that whole hall of faith and Samson is included in there. And that guy is a scoundrel. I yeah. mean, let, let's, let's be honest. He's self-serving, you know, what's yeah. his, his final he, prayer. He, he's always made me feel better. Yeah. I, I I'm telling you anytime you talk to anyone named Samson, they're just, they're horrible <laughs> people. Is what I'm that is true. That yeah. is true. And so, um, so the qualities of each view presented in, in, in this, these, these three different, um, understandings of faith, um, for the doctrine of justification are preserved through rethinking the function of faith and its relation to justification in a corporate trilateral context. Individual faith as preceding justification also has been preserved as its function is now focused on the unbeliever. Faith is infused in the individual and the church as Christ's righteousness is imputed so that the, so that believers are the righteousness of God. And as Paul wrote in Romans 117, for the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith will live. So the doctrine of justification by faith is to be understood as by Christ, from Christ, through Christ, in Christ, and for Christ. Okay. So you, you've almost like taken like I did and, and taken the doctrine of sola fide, and you have taken away this aspect of it, but you've, you've added it and enhanced it to where it's more sola fide than anybody ever really realized. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I've seen historically. So um, the role of the individual is not to use the gift of faith for justification of the self, but for the justification of one who needs to be justified. When one comes to the realization that they need a savior in Christ, it is because of the faith, which is Christ, that has been birthed through the bride of Christ. And rarely does anyone have a direct revelation that we, you know, talked about earlier. Um, So faith is the, like I said earlier, faith is the mode of human reason adapted to divine revelation. And this revelation is that in Christ, one has been justified. So the question is, does faith precede justification? Well, for the person that believes, it does not. But for the one, for the person who does not yet believe, it does. Okay. Okay. Because it's outside of them. So the faith that justifies is always outside of the one who needs it and inside the one who needs to use it for the salvation of others. And we are justified by the faith of Christ alone. So instead of saying sola fide, we should really be saying solum fideum Christi, the faith of Christ alone. And so that's the... The, the end of, of my you know, presentation there, my, my you know, understanding of, of that the idea of faith within justification is much larger and much more richer and dynamic than yeah, what we Yeah, it's much, much more alone, too, really. I mean, if you think about it, <laughs> and, and I think at least, at least following by the uh, original principles of it. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this, and I, sure. this, this isn't uh, – I guess this is just one of the little pieces that, you know, as people listen to this and then they think about it, they'll be, okay, how, how does this relate to this, this, this? Mm-hmm. Whenever uh, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, one of the interesting things that he said, you probably know, and, and confusing things that he said is that uh, whenever he told Nicodemus about the new birth and uh, uh, that every man need, has to be born again, mm-hmm. uh, Nicodemus didn't know what he was talking about. You know, he said, how does 
going to be born twice. And Jesus responds to him with a with a pretty strong rebuke, saying, you are the teacher of Israel and you don't know this. And so the idea is here, whatever Jesus was teaching there, whatever he was telling them about in this, this new birth uh, 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 talk that he's given, um, he says, has always been here. And it is, it is part of the, it's the most essential part, so much so that, you know, you've got to know this before anything else. And without it, no man can be saved without the new birth, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, relate that to what you just said here about, uh, you know, uh, all, all the uh, how the Old Testament people related to the faith of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. I am Samson Kovach. I'm the co-host of Divergent Theology and the host of uh, the Theology Pit. Here to take a moment of your time to, you know, shamelessly plug some of our stuff that we do. Now, I know you've been asking yourself while you're watching these episodes of Divergent Theology, hey, how can I become a Divergent Theologian? Well, that's a great question. First thing you have to do, well, you have to know why you believe what you believe. And the reason for that is because you have to know what's in the realm of, let's say, non-heresy and the realm of heresy. You have to know how far you can go and diverge in each direction and still remain an Orthodox Christian. What's that? (laughs) Yes, the best way to go about doing that, in my opinion, is to go to credohouse.org. Now, what I would recommend is you start off with the discipleship program. Discipleship program is a great way to get an introduction into, you know, what you believe as a Christian. It's broken down into uh, 10 sessions here. Michael's done a good job with this, uh, looking at the Bible, mankind, the Trinity, Jesus, faith, like um, living with God, those sort of things. Um, it's, in, you know, two separate sections, but this is if you really are new to the faith or kind of you're thinking of a way, hey, how in my church can I teach something? This is a great, uh, great ministry tool. But you're saying, Samson, look, I'm already a Christian. I've been a Christian a while. I want to go deeper. Oh, okay. We have the theology program here. I would say you start off with your introduction to theology. You can all find all of this stuff, credohouse.org, and uh, go through the six-course program, and you'll know a little bit more about why you believe what you believe. Now, as a divergent theologian, and I've you know taught and worked with... Uh, Credo House, even back when it was called Reclaiming the Mind. Um, on my podcast, you notice the Theology Pit, where you can go to theologypit.com, you can get great things like mugs and shirts. I have some new shirts that I've made up, says I can do all things through scripture taken out of context. Support the ministry that way. You'll notice that I diverge a little bit more. I'm neither a Calvinist nor am I an Arminian. I'm free to do that. Uh, there are other things out there, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But that's where you can be a divergent theologian. So check out the sites. Check out the the books and all the wonderful resources that we have at both of these sites and the podcasts. Don't forget Theology Unplugged, one of the biggest podcasts, theological podcasts on Apple. Another nice little tip when you're learning Greek, use cards. Use your Greek cards as bookmarks. It's great. Apocrinomai. Hey, answer indeed. Oh, Michael, what are you thinking?
<sighs> yeah. Okay. So um, the way that I would I would look at that is. First off, when we talk about Nicodemus, you know, I call him the disciple of the night. I, I, I gave a couple sermons around him in the three places that he is in, in John's gospel. And by Christ saying that to him, then that realization that he has later on, whenever the Sanhedrin want to arrest Christ and, you know, and, and do things. And he's like, wait a minute, don't our laws say these things? And they are, they're like, what are you one of his disciples also? Do you, you know, want and he's sort of looking at them saying, wait a minute, how do you not see the law and it's coming and it's kind of coming back to him. And then, um, you know, like later on. So I think that within that, because when we're talking about Nicodemus, we're still talking about the old Testament, you know, we're still Mm -hmm. talking about old Testament times for them. And this, and this is how, how you understand, um, second temple Judaism, I think really plays a part in this. And the problem that we have is that, that Second Temple Judaism was not a uh, uh, like a, a, a monolithic view. You know, there were a lot of different ways that the Jews sort of understood what their relationship was with God within the covenant and, and who they were. So if you are somebody who is in the covenant, you're not doing what you're doing in order to you know, be saved or to be right with God. You're doing yeah. what you do because... You're in the covenant. This yeah. is what covenant people do. So this isn't a salvation issue. This is a revelation issue of, yeah. of what God has done. So yeah. when you when you look at that, the reason why that exists is because the sacrifice of Christ and the faithfulness of Christ has an eternality that stretches back. And this is why it's apocalyptic. It stretches yeah. backwards and forwards. So the faith of Christ has always been there and been available and present it's this it's the spirit of god that we we were reading about in the old testament it's the way that israel is um believing on yahweh and the the reason why yahweh is constantly uh you know going after them and constantly yeah. reaching out to them so this understanding of faith you, you still have the the faithfulness of christ you still have the righteousness of god going after them you have the 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 paradigmatic understanding they're doing these things they're you know they're still it's it's still a community and and a book that i um just finished recently that was pretty good um right here put up on the screen um genesis of faith it's a biography of um the depth of theology of a- of rabbi abraham joshua heschel and um when he talks about it, he, he talks about the Jewish faith as extremely communal and some parts, I mean, the, the, some of the messianic parts that he gets into are just like, dude, how can you not see Christ here? You know I mean? It's you're just like, this is, this is weird, but yeah, he, he just yeah. talks about like this communal aspect that Jews have that you do the things of the law, even if you don't believe, because there will come a time where you actually want to fulfill them for God. You, you're not just doing them because you're doing them. You're not just doing them for yourself. So this mentality, this understanding, Nicodemus isn't like a heathen that's out there. He is of God's people. And if we want to use Calvinistic terms, he is of the elect. He is somebody yeah. there who, you know, this 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 faith of Christ, this, this um, righteousness of God has been given in this paradigmatic structure. And now the 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 revelation, the canonic aspect of it, because when you get to, to the end of John's gospel, there's only two people that didn't run away. And it yeah. was Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, the disciple yeah. who would only come see Jesus at night is now in the day. And yeah. he, and he believed in Christ. He believed in the remnant, 
before the resurrection, which is incredible. You know that that he believed in that, and you had you had others, you know, in uh, throughout the the New Testament that were Jews that saw Christ and were like, "You're the Messiah," and you know that sort of thing. So, so the Old Testament, they are because of what Christ did, they are ha- looking forward to the Messiah, looking forward to the promise, and they can have that faith because apocalyptically, it's a reality. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, I think I got it. I think I'm going to be put, putting a lot of these pieces together and, again, relating it to different things and saying, okay, because uh, yeah, it's very similar to my view, uh, you know, as a Calvinist. It's just different terms, and uh, but, I, but I like the way you did it, and at least, even if it's very close, I like restructuring things. You know, it's kind of like reading one version of the Bible, and then you go to a different version that's very similar, but yeah, changes yeah. some things around. And uh, so that, that's that's helpful in that way. But well, I'm guaranteed for a lot of people that listen to this, this will be something very new to them, mm-hmm. because whenever you do talk about, you know, the... Uh, the faith and its relationship, especially within within uh, the reform circles, then it's it's it is good. But I do appreciate that you've taken the common evangelical and kind of this. I, I think you have done well at at tearing it apart, not for the sake of tearing it apart and being controversial, because it but because it needs to be, yeah, and because it is it is. Something that, uh, and, and of course, you know, you, you're like me. You, you want to say, well, you know, you weren't saved beforehand. Now you are. That you listen to this podcast. It's, it's, you know, that's part of the part of the part of the canonical structure of your faith. Yeah, yeah. Is, is listening to this and coming to uh, hopefully a better understanding. Hopefully, we're right. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I want, if if you say, can you sum it up in a sentence? I'd say, yeah. If Christ is good enough, you're justified. Yeah. Like that's, that's basically what it boils down to. It's highly Christocentric. It's just that getting out of the, the mentality of thinking of faith as simply an individualistic thing that justifies me. And that I think is the bane of, of Protestant soteriology. If you think of it as, a, as an individual evidence of your mm-hmm. justification, then yeah. you're a lot better off. Yeah, and 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 the corporate understanding because you look at what what does the church confess for two thousand years? Yeah, that is the faith. That is the regular fide. That is that that's it. Yeah. And it's and it's always been. Um, you know, I, I like it. I, I like it. I, I wrote a paper. I on, like the I love the Christocentric part of it too because mm-hmm. that is so important. As I've said before, many times we're bibliocentric. Many times we're you know everything but Christocentric. Yeah. And, and it, it is something that you say whenever it, whenever you look through the history of the church. What is the one if, if they're singing songs, you know, and everybody's singing different chants, you know, in the in the and uh, uh, the uh, stanza. But then you come to the chorus, everybody joins together. You know, mm-hmm. what do they say? Well, they're saying Jesus, you know, they're saying Christ, and they're it's all about that. All these other things, yeah, they're important for people individually, but they're not the central element of what the church has taught for 2000 years, mm-hmm. even if they are true. Yeah. And, and think about like with, with this view, all the things I sidestepped. All right. Uh, I sidestepped free will. Where does free will come into this in? Well, it, it, it really doesn't matter whether you believe in free will or not. That doesn't affect this understanding because it's not about you anyways. You know, it's yeah. not about you individually. Well, where does, you know, when you, when you look at, um, you know, any of the eternal decrees or anything like that, well, it's, it's not so much about that anymore. Like you, you really can say, well, the, the, the different eternal decrees and, and, you know, where they came in line with each other and stuff is, is superfluous. 
it's, mm-hmm. it's not really needed. It's, it's just, it's all about Christ. Um, yeah. the, the order salutis. Well, what came first, the, the, the atonement or this or that, you know, and, and both order salutis. And I was, I was actually going through, um, the theology programs, uh, you know, order salutis that you wrote up in the notebooks and you always have faith before justification, which I would say is correct. As long as you're not saying it's the individual's faith, but faith itself absolutely does come before. And so it's just, it's just a richer understanding of, so when we say, yes, I'm justified by faith and by faith alone. Yeah. Because it is the faithfulness of Christ, the righteousness of God, the, the understanding of the church as a whole, the body of Christ, everybody and my faith, everything all comes together. But what this does also is it stresses missions like it never has before. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's good stuff. Really, really good. Cool. So, um, all right, man, are we, are we, uh, previewing next week or are we just going to surprise people? Well, um, I guess we could surprise people, but maybe we'll preview this. Do you want to, do you want to lead the next topic? Sure. Okay. So, um, then we'll, then people can I'll just, lead. I'm not sure which one I'll do. We got so many of them to do. We, we do. Uh, so, so many, so many deconstructions yeah. to do. So be surprised with, with <laughs> Michael's, Michael's pick for, uh, I did appreciate it. I really did. I did appreciate yeah. this. This was, this one was, uh, especially this last one, mm-hmm. it pulled a lot of stuff together yeah. for me. And I, and I, uh, I, I'm excited for people to yeah. be able to hear this. Hopefully you're and, able to see or write comments, write comments in the down yeah. here, write questions, whatever. Eventually when we get enough people, what we'll do is we'll take comments from the audience and then we'll spend on time the next episode well, answering that because I know there's always going to be a lot of, well, yeah, but we can about, live stream, uh, that kind we, of we can live stream yeah, it and can. take the comments live and, and do yeah. that. Uh, yeah. I got the software be- for that and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so cool. you'll, so you'll take it and, um, yeah, that'll. I, th- I think this is going to work out. But this is what divergent theology is all about—just yeah. kind of breaking stuff down and 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 looking at it from this this you know different perspective. So well, it's good to see you, Sam. Yeah. Good job. That was awesome. Thanks. I I did learn a lot. I'm not against you. I was at first when we <laughs> said you're the nice old yeah. fide, um, and I never turned the screen off. Yeah. But um, could you could you understand why I spent so much time going back? Like what I did those first couple episodes, because if I would have just dropped this on you. Oh, yeah. You had to take it apart before you put it together. Yeah. You would have just been like, where are you even coming up with any of this stuff? And I and I believe me, I left out a ton of stuff and everything. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's why I felt necessary. I had to do that. And and believe me, I mean, I could have taken apart the uh, the reform confessions and Calvin's Institutes equally uh, with all this stuff, because I think it's really important to understand our lexicon. And and how well, it is, it is, and, and all it is, stuff. and what you say is mm-hmm. we're simple reformanda, and even within yeah. Calvinism, yeah. this is something that you know we we're developing towards. Calvin wasn't; he just set up a little few little principles that that uh, guide a lot of stuff, but there's certainly not completely developed. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to Divergent Theology. You can visit our websites at credohouse.org or thetheologypit.com and make a donation. Support the ministry that way. Now, here's a quick look at next week's Divergent Theology. So you got a good solid month to think about what you want to do and how you want to present it. And that's when we'll get together, brother. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Sam. Good job.